Well, I just want to begin by saying it is wonderful to be here and be able to see everyone. I want to speak first off to Bill Petty and let you know that I've repented of my Hagendash uh, statement from last week, and uh, I did pull out some chocolate bluebell, and I thought, I don't even know why I considered any other brand. So uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you, Bill, for causing me to think about my, 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 my lifestyle that's uh, in question. <clears throat> and Bill uh, sent a text last night, and uh, you know, this is what friends are for. He, he just wanted me to look good again, uh, be on time, and uh, he said the freeway is going to be shut down again. And I had actually called TextDot yesterday, and I spoke with a lady, and the lady said, no, there are not going to be any freeway closures tomorrow. And so we just, you know, <laughs> we had planned just to go right on, you know, and then, uh, so anyway, then we got to looking at on the maps and stuff, and it was showing it was locked down. It's going to be closed till 5 a.m. in the morning. So anyway, we went ahead and... Uh, Navigated through it, just barely made it again. It's just, it's incredible to have the whole freeway shut down. But um, anyway, we're excited. I, I want to start off, and again, I, there are so many, there are going to be so many passages. I'm going to refer to things, not going to be able to read them all, uh, because it's just impossible to be able to get to everything. But so I thought it would be good maybe to just have a starting place. It's kind of like, uh, they used to say in seminary, uh, you know, read the scripture and depart therefrom. Um, so look, if you will, into Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. And if you're looking for a title, this is a continuation of uh, spiritual warfare, uh, dealing with um, our battle with the devil. And uh, we're just not wanting to give him any ammunition. We don't want to give him any ground, uh, give him any leverage in our lives. So here is uh, here's a scripture for you that I think really, it fits all of us, I believe. And, and again, Matt, I, so many things you said about the crooked sticks. I mean, it was just, I could so identify because I just see the flawed individual's that God continues to use in spite. And don't you know that when you stand to teach and, and or you stand to preach, don't you realize that, you know, you're the you're in you're in this. Nobody has it all together. Nobody has arrived. Nobody has a corner on all of this. But 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 the idea is is where's our heart? Are we striving? Are we moving in the direction to be more yielded to Christ, more submitted to Christ, more willing to let Him have more of us, uh, as we all know is true. So, here is a verse that we can start with. Second, uh, the second chapter of Philippians, do all things, and you can do a really in-depth study of that word all, and I would encourage you to do that. Do a deep study of the word all, and you will discover it does mean all. It doesn't mean some. It doesn't mean a partial. It doesn't mean the ones you pick and choose. It means all. 
do all things without murmurings and disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. So, we've had some changes in the last 48 hours or so in so many things. Um, our weather has changed. And uh, we had gone, I wish I knew exactly how many days we went without a drop of rain. But it was someone who's saying like over 50 days or so without even a drop. And, uh, and now in the last a uh, few days we've received rain and it's amazing the pastures were brown things were just brown and trees you just uh we were talking with mrs bogner two weeks ago talking about all the trees along the woodlands that are that have been planted there and so many of those that are like four-year-old trees are dead uh they're dying and so that's the way it is in the country out in the pastures you'll see you know, oaks, an oak here, a big old, you know, oak, 40-year-old oak, 50-year-old oak, dead, and another one over here, dead, and another one over here, dead. And it's just so sad. But it, we were commenting this morning how amazing with just a little bit of moisture, just a couple of inches or three inches of moisture over a few days, how things already are beginning, the grass is short, but it's beginning to turn green again. And it doesn't take a lot. And so I was very, very encouraged with that. So think back in our outline and our, our topic of our little series here. Um, we taught, started off by saying, take back the ground as we have ground that we've given Satan. We need to be aware that we should be taking it back. Uh, scripture in the Ephesians 6 says, stand, stand therefore, stand your ground. So Hold on to what God has given you that is all His, and it's His power that's going to keep you there. It's His armor, but stand. And then today, the idea of thinking, let's don't repeat, let's don't give Satan more ground. We've taken back, we've, we're standing, we're learning how to stand in the full armor of God, and we need to not give more ground over to Satan. So... Continuing this idea of the war, the spiritual war that we're in, and it's very real. It's very real. Uh, the battle, the battle is raging, and and I think some people just, I really believe they like to just stick their head in the sand and ignore it, like it doesn't happen, it doesn't exist. Is this isn't real? No, it's real. And I can tell you this by the authority of the Word of God: Satan hates the Christ in us. He hates the Christ in us. He hates this word. He hates the church. He hates godly Christian families. He hates everything we should be in love with. So last week, we talked about the battle of the mind, or the battle for the mind. Great sermons. You can just check it out. There are so many sermons that have been preached by different preachers that have, uh, for years and years, that's been a great topic, the battle for the mind. But keep in mind, there's that constant 
battle that Satan is out to try to get the control of our thoughts, of our mind. And if he can influence and get the control of our minds, then he will probably most likely have control of our words. Our words will eventually come out and our behavior, our character will be impacted by the fact that Satan has control of our thoughts. I believe with all of my heart, some of the things I've referred to in the past about some of these crazy things and uh, cruel, inhumane things that are going on in our society, the mind of the individual was uh, controlled by the satanic forces and it turned into this terrible behavior. I believe with all my heart, and I don't believe, again, I'll say this, I, I, I don't believe that a government program is sufficient to change the behavior of people. I think only salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, it's got to be a genuine heart change before they can really, really be changed. So as I observe our church and I think about our church, what we, we've been together for so long, we have some very faithful, very loyal very loving believers in our church, and we are thankful for that, and we talk about you every chance we get in a positive way. We tell people about how, how wonderful you are, how patient you are with all of us, and we're thankful for each one of you. However, lest we get too high and mighty, lest not any of us think that we are the perfect church, or we are the perfect little family, or we are, you know, the Christians that have it all together and nobody else has it together. Last time we did the Lord's Supper, some of you were unable to be here, but the ones that were, we divided up the congregation uh, in sections. And so what we did, I said, why don't we come up with, in each group, come up with a word, several words, that would describe, as we think about Lord's Supper, we think about self-examination, we think about how do we examine ourselves, words that would categorize and say, this is, this is what we ought to be thinking, and this is how we ought to be responding to self-examination. And one word throughout the whole congregation came up first, one word. And it was humility. Humility. To examine ourselves, we're going to have to be humble. To examine ourselves, we're going to have to be very humble. So see, that's why I said, we love. We are a loving church. We are, we're grateful for every one of But don't get too excited because none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. So we must be humble as we think about self examination. And it is very humbling, if you will, to allow the Holy Spirit to, as one of our elders years ago used to say, let that Holy Spirit spotlight shine deep inside of our hearts, inside of us, to show us what He already knows about us. It's very humbling to think, God, that's inside of me? Those thoughts can come out of me? Those words, those things can come out of me? That behavior can come out of me? 
and for the Holy Spirit to come deep. I mean, because see, some of us are really convinced we've really got it together. I mean, after all, it's easy to, to believe when, you know, when we, you know, our little family's like little ducks in a row and everything, but it's humbling to allow the Holy Spirit to genuinely show us some things that we need to know about ourselves. And it's humbling to admit. I mean, really, why, why don't we more openly talk about our failures, our sin and failure to each other publicly? We don't. We, you know, how are you doing today? Fine. Man, it's fantastic. God is good all the time. I mean, this is just, we're just doing great. How many people have you met in the last six months? You walked up to a church and said, how are you doing? How's your week been? How's everything going? And somebody said, I'm just going to tell you, it's been a wreck. I can't, I'm just not doing well. I mean, we really, we're not open and honest with ourselves, and we're certainly not honest most of the time. And sometimes if we're, I just, and, and you know, you kind of hit on it a little bit this morning, Matt, but I am truly amazed of the series of events that took place after that, that miracle of God that they lived through, literally lived through. I, I can't imagine... I mean, I know we're all human, but I mean, surely some of us would think that wouldn't have happened to me. I wouldn't have gone over there and we had the song of Moses and Moses singing and we're singing about the chariots and the victory and the water and the triumph and we're singing about that. And then three days later, well, where's the water? We don't have any water. And they start murmuring and complaining. And, and they complained. They, they had just seen a mighty miracle of God. And it, days later, they're turning around and they're murmuring against Moses. Complaining against Moses. To the point that, and, and you know the accounts, I mean, you, you really need, need to read them all, but no water, God provides water. Bitter water, God provides sweet water. No meat, quail, manna. God was just doing one miracle after another. But in between, when they would be confronted with their crisis, they murmured. They complained. And the scripture is very clear in several places that Moses was catching it but he was making it clear, your murmuring is not against me. You're really murmuring against God. And I believe it's Dr. Jerry Benjamin that stood in this pulpit. I believe that it was him, but I could be wrong. But I believe it was him that said, all murmuring is against God, ultimately. All complaining is against God, ultimately. They wanted to pick a new leader. He even says at one point, they're about to stone me. They're wanting to stone me. Can you imagine what that's like? I guess you can. But they're murmuring. And then God 
God says, how long am I going to put up with them murmuring against me in Numbers 14, 27? He very well makes it clear. How long am I going to put up with them murmuring against me? God was preparing them. Work that great mighty miracle, the Red Sea, individual miracles. After all the plagues, by the way, after the plagues and after the freedom being set free from bondage, all that hard, hard, hard labor, and it was even increased toward the end, it got worse. They, he was just doing one miracle, little test, though. These were tests. And how did they respond? How did they react to the test? Every time they were confronted with no water, no meat, they complained. They murmured. They griped. Over and over, with each test, they failed. They failed. They failed to obey. They failed to trust. They failed to recognize what God was really up to and what God was doing. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was about. And it, you would almost think, I mean, we should think, that each miracle should build on the other. In other words, our confidence, if you just absolutely say, there's nothing out there, we've not seen, there's no provision, but I have a, we have a track record of seeing what God has done. It ought to mean that our faith is so great because of the past, because of what we've seen, because of what God has done, that we wouldn't be there complaining every single time a little trial comes up. God was preparing them for something mighty, for something special. Now we all, listen, again, back to the crooked sticks. None of us have it all together. And nobody should be making excuses for our human frailties. I mean, you know, we, we all fall short. We fall short. Preachers fall short. Elders fall short. We all fell, fall short. Your teachers fall short. Your parents, young people, listen, this idea, and I've seen it, you know, in the last, say, 15 years or so, you know, people come out of their childhood and they get in their adulthood and they, they will say things like, I'm this way, I'm the way I am because of my parents. I'm this way because of my parents. I'm, I'm... I'm a wreck. I'm ruined because of the way that my parents treated me. And then along the way, we have also seen, we've also seen some enablers that get involved with teenage, young teenagers. Well, maybe the older teenagers that are like old enough to get away. And family members start believing this stuff and saying, you know, your parents are way too strict. I'm going to help you get out of that. They're too strict. And we know specifically of some situations where that occurred, where relatives helped and aided and, uh, and helped a person get away, run away from their parents. And so it's important that, um, you know, this idea of blaming so many factors, so many things, and we're all, we all come up short, 
But how many times as God is teaching us, leading us, and as a people, and even as a church, how many times is He going to lead us to a crossroads in our lives and then we do nothing but fail? I, I just wonder how many times we're going to do that. How many times we're going to need to be reminded that God has allowed certain things. He, whatever has happened, right, wrong, or indifferent, we have to admit the sovereign hand of God has permitted it. We just have to say, somehow, I don't understand it. And there are things in our lives, all of us have it. We say, I, can't, I won't know the answer to this till I get to heaven. But somehow, I've got to have confidence that I trust with all of my heart the sovereignty of God and God's sovereign hand permitted this to come in my life. Now, there's some things that we do that we refer to as self-inflicted, but He still allows them. He still lets those happen. And then He also, not only does He allow things, and He allows even in our humanity, our failures, He allows those and then he turns around and says, and somehow in a miraculous way, I'm working all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Somehow, and again, I think it'll be heaven before we ever. But I do agree that there are times that we can look back and say, oh, wow, that's how that fit together. Or I see now better looking back, I see how that worked out. And we can all probably say some things like that. So it's important that we are aware of the sin. We're to do all things, the scripture says, we're to do all things without murmurings and disputings. We're, we're not to complain. We're not to murmur. We're not to be sowing seeds of discord. And how many times are we going to hear it? We hear it. We heard it a few weeks ago. We keep hearing it. And how long, and we all, we all, that's why I mentioned last week on the battle of mind. I think we have a few seconds, maybe a split second to a thought comes to our mind. We're about to say something and we can choose not to. We don't have to say it. And so the seeds of discord can be eliminated by us exercising control, the Holy Spirit controlling our minds, controlling our tongues and we can actually have victory in these areas. But how many times, I wonder, how often do we need to fail? And how many times are we going to fall on our faces and repent of the same things? It's like repeat, repeat, and repeat. So I just want to say some things, and I kind of alluded Mrs. Cepeda, I kind of alluded to this a little bit last week. And I, and I really believe, I really believe the scripture is very clear that without a vision, without a vision, the people perish. So with all of the souls that are being saved, Mateo going on all these mission trips, y'all doing all these Bible clubs and the Bogners and all the different ones that are involved in all of that. And all of what, a week ago, 30-something kids prayed to receive Christ. You know, the Lord is, I was, I, we get that, you know, my wife gets that in the prayer thing from the ladies, and she passes a lot of that on to me. And I was thinking, what's missing in this picture? They're out there, they're, 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 they're out there teaching, 
the truth, and people are responding, but what's missing in that picture? And the Lord made it very clear to me, very clear. What's missing, they don't have a place, a designated time to say, now then that you're saved, would you come at this particular time or this particular day or whatever it might be, and we want to continue and disciple you. I think the discipling is what's missing. They're getting saved, but there's no... We need, we need a, a, a hub, if you will, a place. And so we need to be in prayer as a church. Who knows? What if... And, and somebody actually somebody mentioned this to me that... And again, I'm not... I'm just, I'm just sharing. I believe God is on the verge... Of, and it goes back to even, Aaron, some of your teaching in the afternoons with the children. It's time to build. You know, who would be talking about plans and future? And, you know, when, when it seems like everybody's struggling just to, to get here. It, it's, I think it's time to build. I think it's time to plan. I think it's time to be uh, energetic and encouraging to think that there are some kids and maybe hopefully their parents if we had something special dedicated just for them, whenever that might be, however that might be, I have no answers. But y'all, I asked some folks last week to buy us the bonus to pray. Y'all pray about it. Y'all pray about it. Come to the elders. Talk to the elders. Please do pray. Get an idea, some ideas. I'm very open to the possibility of seeing some young people that are saved coming Maybe in the chapel another time, maybe the same day, maybe on Sundays, but a different hour, but dedicating a whole service and it would be geared more for their level, where they are. And so just pray about it. Let's, let's be open to the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit because it's wonderful they're getting saved, but what can the church do more? What should we be more available to provide whatever we can provide to help train and disciple them and grow them in the Lord? And I, Eris, I'm just going to use you as an example. I mean, you know, I know it, you, they told us don't use individuals, but I mean, we're, we're family, so it's okay. Eris came up to me on the sidewalk. She said, Pastor, let me know, let me tell you this one thing. She said, after what you said last week, I'm going to be in prayer. I'm going to be in prayer that, that God will do a great work in this area. She said, so I'm going to pray first. And number two, I'm making myself available, big or small, to be a helper. I will do anything I can. You just tell me what I need to do, and I will do it. Folks, that's an attitude that we all need to have and to support and encourage y'all. You're out there in those trenches seeing these kids get saved, and we just want to say, praise the Lord. I know you don't want any credit. All the glory goes to God, but let's pray. Let's, as a church, I think we're just on the verge of seeing some really, some exciting things, new things happen that could really encourage other people and it may be different than anything that we've ever done before in 36 years. I'm just saying, I don't know what it is. I'm just saying, 
I believe we're on the, on the verge of seeing God lead us into something very, very special. So it doesn't surprise me that Satan, just like the other day when I said I was coming to church to preach on spiritual warfare and the car pulls up and revs up their engine beside us out of the clear blue, room, 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 just rev it up, rev it up, rev it up, and then takes off and heads for the service road and the personalized license plate said Lucifer on it. And I, I, t I looked at Linda and I said, Linda, I just saw Lucifer. I mean, I'm telling you, folks, Satan doesn't like this stuff at all. He doesn't like the Christ in you. He hates the church. He hates this book. He hates Christian families, and he's going to do everything he can to steal away, attack away, do everything he can to discourage us. And we're not to be ignorant of his devices. So I would encourage you, I would encourage you, let's make it a matter of prayer, but let's don't pray too long. Jesus may come back before then. We need to do our part. We need to be obedient to the Father. And the scripture is very clear today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts before God. So here's kind of the uh, one, one way to wrap this up. And I know this is actually, I got in the pulpit earlier and, and uh, this is going to be, you're going to say, man, that was short. Well, short's not always bad. But today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We should be knitted together. We should be bonded together. We should be a people of God that we are in lockstep. Just have any of y'all more. I know, Dick, you've marched boot camp and everything. You march, you know, and everybody's in step. I mean, it is so wonderful to, to have that precision. That's the way the church ought to be. We ought to be marching together, marching together in lockstep together under the control of the Holy Spirit, moving together, being one mind, one spirit, one body, and allowing God to do a miraculous thing. I believe the reason God will not do any more, and we've talked on this about faith, I believe the limitations on our church or any other church will be our lack of faith. If we don't believe that God is capable of bringing some people here to disciple them and train them, then if, if we don't believe it, you know, if you get up and you say, I, I don't know, I kind of like things the way they are. If you kind of have that attitude, it's probably not going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But I'm telling you, when there, where there's a vision, a vision of God scriptural visions of making disciples, doing something, allowing God to use the body of Christ, allowing God to use the gifts that He's given in, in the church. So if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. My wife wrote down a, a scripture on the way here today. She was reading it to me. 
And I just thought I would I'd look. It's Psalm, it's Psalm 143. Psalm 143. If y'all want to turn there, Psalm 143. We, We ought to be encouraged by the prayers that are in the Bible. This is just one of David's prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In thy faithfulness, answer me. And in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed? This is, I mean, you could, you could say, this is me. This describes me. Therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Is that where your mind is? Is that where your mind is? That your mind is musing on the works of God's hand, the things that he's done? I stretch forth my hands unto thee, my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land, Selah. I would encourage you to respond to the Lord today. Be optimistic. Allow him to encourage your heart. And let me just give you one little thought from a secular Some people don't like that at all. But from a secular thought, and it was so funny, I just had to share it with you. And it may be be accurate, I don't know, because we all say, well, you know, uh, research was done at a secular uh, uh, college. And and this was actually research that was done at Stanford University. (laughs) And I told my wife, I said, boy, does this ever want me to put a, a... uh, silence on me ever complaining or murmuring ever again. I mean, this this will do it. This will end it for me. <laughs> the Word of God is sufficient, but I, I did see some humor in this. So researches from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the, and how many of you know what that part of the brain is? It shrinks the hippocampus. And it's an area, of, listen to this, I mean, honestly, yeah, I bet you we have 15 people come down to the front and confess complaining and murmuring today and say, I'll never do it again. It's an area of the brain that is critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. That's, I don't need that part of my brain shrinking. <laughs> I don't. I don't need, and they say they are, they're even connecting some of it to Alzheimer's and things too. I mean, they're looking into that saying, you know, there's some kind of connection. I'm thinking, woo. And Linda, as she told me today, she said, this is, she said, well, after reading that, you don't need me anymore to help you stop complaining. 
You won't need me anymore. I'm going to tell you, when you start thinking about the consequences of complaining and the consequences of murmuring, we all ought to just repent today and say, Lord, do you remember what was it, three years ago, two years ago, it was before COVID, that we had a no murmuring zone. You remember that? No murmuring, no complaining. Well, we ought to go back to that and say, God, we're on the verge of you doing something. It's time to build. It's time to trust you, to step out in faith, to see you do something spectacular, something that's different, something that's been on your radar, but off our radar. God, we trust you. We want to follow you. We want to obey you. And I promise you, people, if God will just make it clear what we need to do, I promise you this, because I know so many of you, and you will say, sign me up. I want to be a part. I want to be a part of some things that God, and we're not talking about a bunch of hard stuff. It's just being obedient to Scripture. Let's trust Him. Let's learn from the Israelites as they face one test after another. And when it happened, they started complaining. And they want to go back. I've never been able to figure, I mean, I want to go back. Now, I could identify that when I left the police department and I went into the ministry, for two years I could go back, keep my seniority, my pay grade, and no questions asked for two years. And I will say I did struggle as I went, went to my first pastor at Riesel and for two years, it was hard for me. I kept thinking, I need to go back. I need to go back. I need to go back to that job security. I need to go back where people don't complain. Are y'all awake? They don't complain against police? Yeah. But uh, anyway, because, you know, they stole all my chickens, shot my dog, and nearly ran us out of town the first 18 months we were there. And... Uh, had some deacons there that said they just could envision me having a bunch of people spread eagle up against the parsonage uh, because they had shot my, uh, my dog and, and stole my chickens. Folks, there, there's, God has so much to do. God has so much in store. And I, am, I will go to my grave, and we don't know when that'll be, but I will go to my grave. I'm going to be continued optimistic about the future and what God has planned and y'all pray. Please make it a matter of prayer. Let us know some ideas, some thoughts, because I really think this is something that God wants us to be a part of. And how big, how small, I have no idea. But I think there's something here, that, and, and we will never get there. See, because God, in His sovereignty, He was taking Israel to the promised land. So He was giving them these tests along the way, so they could have major victories in the promised land. But no, they even rejected even God's perfect will in Kadesh Barnea. Well, they said, no, we can't. You know, they are giants over there and they make us look like grasshoppers in his side, our side. And, you know, yeah, the land does flow with milk and honey. That's true. But, you know, we just can't go there. And uh, majority ruled, by the way, majority ruled. And so they paid a price, you know, they paid a price. And uh, for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. So I don't want to be that church. I want to admit where we're wrong. 
I want to admit where we failed, where we sinned before God, and admit it, agree with Him, and turn from it, and let's follow Him into the promised land and see what He has planned for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the Word. We thank You for the opportunity to be optimistic and encouraging to one another. It's basically very scriptural, and that we would exhort one another daily, as long as it's still called today. And I just pray that today this invitation would be special, that we would admit where we've failed the test, where we've come up short, we've sinned before you, you've given us a test, you gave us your word, and we turned right around and we failed. And Lord, help us as a church to respond to that, confess that, deal with that, and then move on and follow you into the greater victories that you have for us. And I pray that you would, in a special way, bind and rebuke the principalities and powers, that you would uh, bind Satan off of our church, off our leadership, off of our, our pulpit, our teaching. And I pray, Father, that there'd be a special, special time that we could uh, see you. And we look back years down the road, how encouraging it was. This is a turning point, a time to build, a time to step out in faith, to trust you with all that you have in store for us. And we'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.